Well, this Holy Habit series, I hope, has been impacting you as much as it has been impacting me. I am loving uh, this series. I'm loving the fast. I'm loving the disciplines. Uh, I am working out like a master champ going crazy. Listen, when I've got my worship pastor owns a CrossFit gym, and my assistant pastor over here is Mr. Fitness USA, the old guy's got to step up, man. 50-year-old guy's got to step up. All these young bucks around here, I got to make it happen. So, man, this fast has been good. I've been working out and eating good, and Jennifer tried to tempt me with some sweets the other day, man. I'm like, get behind me. Oh, it was cornbread. It felt like cake to me. Felt like cake to me. I mean, if you haven't had cake in two whole weeks, man, I'm looking at that thing all, man, wanting to put some jelly and butter on that sucker, turn into a birthday cake for Joel. My God, it looked good and smelled good too. Oh my, jalapeno cornbread. That is just not, that's not even fair. You know, make that when I'm in the house, man. But uh, anyway, so I, I really hope this is connecting to you, being in your Bible, being in the Word, uh, connecting to the Holy Spirit. Uh, we Last week, we talked about the habit of worship, and specifically that that word worship comes from the Hebrew word for bow, to bow down, to humble yourself, to position yourself. The New Testament word uh, means to lay prostrate. I accidentally said prostate uh, in a different service, and that is not the Lord's will. Uh, but, but, uh, but, you know, so to prostrate yourself, to humble yourself, to make yourself into a position of submission, that's what worship is about. And God gave me five specific postures of worship. Worship. And bowing was the first one. And we talked about how bowing, where, where are we bowing in our hearts? Where do we need to bow in our lives? Are there any places in our life that we're holding on to, that we're keeping to ourselves and we're not fully submitting to Jesus? And I want to walk into a couple other, actually, I plan to make it through the next four postures today. And I want to start with this question Have you ever met someone that was a complainer? Oh, man. Someone that didn't matter where they were, what situation they walked into, they just seemed to have a gift to find the thing that's wrong. You ever known that person? You ever had a meal in a restaurant with that person? And it doesn't matter what they order, it's going back. And then they're going to have to talk to the manager, and then they're going to want it off the check. And then they're, and, and every time you, you're with, you're like, please, God, don't let them send something back today, right? I, I mean, I, I grew up in a household where you just eat it. You, I mean, for crying out loud, my parents, my parents' parents came through the depression, and you know, there was peanut butter on the table at every meal, and whatever you get served, you just eat that thing, man. You don't say nothing, right? Because the alternative is go to bed, right? So, I mean, it's just a different, but, but some people, it seems like it doesn't matter. They have a gift for finding out what's wrong. Now, what's interesting is there are certain jobs that, that you have to have that ability. So please don't hear me you know, uh, knocking on somebody. My lawyer has the gift of finding out what's wrong. He's gonna look at a deal, he's gonna look at a contract, and he has the gift to see every little thing that's wrong, and you might present him something that you think is perfect, and it will come back with red lines all through it because he's gifted in that. But he's also aware that he has to work on his own ability because he can naturally go negative. And so he's very aware and open about that. He's like focused on seeing the good and finding the good and looking and speaking about the good, because if he's not careful, that gift or ability to do his job can permeate into the different parts of his life. 
There are different types of people that have a gift for being an engineer. Their job is to find out what's wrong and what could go wrong and take it apart and put it back together. And those kind of mechanical type things, you, you have to work on that. Not everybody can be Tigger. Listen, I'm bouncy, trouncy, bouncy, trouncy. That's me. I'm fun, 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 right? That's just my personality. Everyone has different personalities. Doesn't make one better than the other, but we have to recognize if there's something about our personality that can go a little bit too far one way or the other. See, my problem is I want to have fun no matter where I am. I could be at a funeral. I want to have fun. I mean, it's just, and that can get awkward and inappropriate at times because I'm wanting to make jokes wherever I'm at. So I got to work on myself too. So don't see me pointing fingers because I'm always trying to work on me, right? But this thing about grumbling and complaining, I mean, do do you like that? If, if you've worked super hard on something and then the only thing you hear is a complaint, does that feel good to you? That's a no, right? Okay, how about moms? Let's talk about moms for a second. I always think it's funny whenever uh, someone asks a, a, a mom if they have a job. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you remember when, when we had our little ones, Jennifer was still working uh, for, for the first two. And so we literally, uh, we took turns, man. And there were days, I had two, to, two days a week at least that it, I was all day daddy duty. That was my life. And, and I loved it. But my God, was it work. I mean, it was, I couldn't wait to go back to work because at least I didn't ha- I had to deal with messes, but not ones that smelled like that. Right? And it didn't matter. It was like all day long. Something was blowing up or, or spilling out or falling over or cleaning up. And you finally get them down for a nap. And you finally get some you know, things put together. And you're going to lay down. Now they wake up. And next thing you know, it's time to eat. You're making another meal again. And you got another mess again and another diaper. It's just whatever. And then the husband comes home to a mess and no dinner. And instead of being grateful that he's got a wonderful person that loves his babies and is taking care of everything, he can be ungrateful or complain about what he doesn't have, and he could ruin the whole rest of the night real quick. <laughs> Same thing. Uh, one, one partner could, could be working really hard all day long, and the other have no idea what the other one's dealing with, and then come home, and next thing you know, it's like, take the trash out and change that light bulb and this and that and whatever. It's like, hold on there. Can, can I just, what happened to leave it to Beaver when the guy would come home and, and they get, here's your robe, honey, and here's your cigar, and we're, here's your little whatever, and why don't you kick your feet up for a little bit while dinner gets ready? Man, that's over, right? It's gone. We live in a different world now than what we watched growing up on TV. And if we're not careful, we can forget to be grateful. And can I tell you that God hates grumbling and complaining? He, he, he hates it so much that in Numbers chapter 11, verse 1, the Israelites who he had rescued out of slavery, 400 years they had been exiled to Egypt. Uh, and in the beginning, they were rescued there and they were saved from the famine and things were well. But then the fa- one Pharaoh uh, passed and a new Pharaoh came in and they forgot the deal that they had. And next thing you know, they worked through changing the money system. And that's a scary thing when we're talking about some of the stuff going on in our world today. And all of a sudden, the money system was changed, and what used to be exchanged was all shifted and changed. And if you didn't have this, and you couldn't buy or sell. And so they were able to extract all of the wealth from, from Israel. Israel was a very, very wealthy uh, 
uh, populace, but then all of a sudden, the wealth that they had had been traded for what they called scarab beetles, these little coins that they had back in the day, and they would trade those, and all the gold had been taken out, and all of a sudden, they changed the deal and said, now those scarab beetles aren't worth anything. We're going to go back to gold, and now they didn't have any gold left, and they were forced to go into slavery. Did you know that's what happened? Mm, It's interesting what's going on with the World Economic Forum, but we're not talking about politics today, but by God, you should pay attention to the world because it's crazy out there, y'all, and it's not something new. It's the same thing that's gone on over and over and over and over. It's the same demons. Demons don't die. The same demonic evil that's existed since the beginning of humankind is still on the planet today, and the enemy is still out to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And you have one answer, and his name is Jesus, and you better be talking to him. You better be getting some wisdom and hearing what he has to say for your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Numbers 11.1, now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it. Oh, man, how many things do we say that we think no one hears it? How many things do we say when we're alone in our car and that person cuts us off? How many things do we say after we hang up the phone with somebody when they can't hear us or they shut the door or they walk out? How many things do we complain about and the Lord hears it? Oh, he heard them in in, in Egypt when they were in slavery and he went and rescued them. And then he gets them out into into freedom And they kept complaining. They were saying stuff like, what did you bring us out here into the wilderness to die? I mean, at least when we were in slavery, uh, at least then we had onions to put in our soup and garlic and leeks and different types of vegetables and all that. And oh, they forgot that they used to have to make bricks all day long and and, and they had absolute zero freedom and they were being whipped and beaten and mistreated. And all of a sudden they got freedom, but they weren't free on the inside and they're grumbling and complaining and it says, in the, his anger, God's anger was aroused so that the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. There were actual times where God wanted to kill all two million Israelites that he had just saved out of Egypt. And Moses had to talk him down and talk him out of it because of their grumbling and complaining. Oh, he hates it. You know what God likes? Thank you. Doesn't it feel good? Doesn't it feel good when someone says thank you? Right? I mean, the world we live in, you hold the door open for someone, they act like you work there, sucker. I don't work here. I was doing something nice. (laughs) What's funny is we'll be somewhere and I'll hold the door for someone and someone will walk through and Jennifer will say, "Uh, thank you. Just coaching them a little bit. Just coach them up a little bit because they forgot to say it. Thank you is what you say there. She doesn't say it like that, but it's, but it's just one of those funny little things because people are rude. They're so rude. Am I right? People are so entitled. It's disgusting. Where's my soapbox? Give me that soapbox. Oh, it irritates me. I deserve this. What? I've done this, so I should get that. Get out of here. For crying out loud. I, I, I had a conversation with someone that because of uh, some things that they had done, some other things they had done, uh, they felt like they, they deserved something. 
They deserve something. And, and, and I said, listen, I said, um, weren't you doing that as worship unto the Lord? Let me help you with something. Nobody owes you anything. Anything. Nobody owes you anything. What you do is under the Lord. How people choose. We live in a world where everybody's got their undies in a bunch about this and that. And they looked at me this way and they didn't understand that. And they didn't use my pronoun or what. Get the heck out. Crying out loud. You should have grown up in the 80s, you sissy little wiener. My goodness. I mean, people are just so soft. So soft. Offended about everything. Everything's offensive. Everything hurts my feelings. Grow up. Grow up. Can I help you with something? God is not very concerned with your comfort. <laughs> the struggle is good for you. It builds tenacity. It builds toughness. You're supposed to go through stuff. Not a single person in this room doesn't matter what color you are or what gender you are or how you identify yourself. Every person in this room has been mistreated. We've all been mistreated and we'll all be mistreated again. We've all been overlooked. We've all been discounted. We've all had someone else have favoritism and we didn't get it. It happens to every single human being. And what God's looking for out of us is gratitude. No matter what happens in life, God's looking for gratitude. Because you got to wake up today. You got breath in your lungs. You got strength in your bones. You got something in your life that's good. And the more you focus on the bad, the more repulsive you become. Gratitude does something to God. This attitude of entitlement that's so rampant in our world today is disgusting. It's gross. It's gross, and it's very displeasing to God. It's very displeasing. You know what I love to see? I love to see young people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embarrass somebody. I love to see young people like J.T. Bagwell, who's 16 years old, who's out there busting his tail, running two businesses. He's got two. He's 16, and he's busting it. That's what I like to see. Not these silly little kids that want their crust cut off their bread from their PB&J and mommy made it. And oh, I can't eat this mommy. It's got crunch in it. I want smooth peanut butter. Get the, beat your children for crying out loud. Get that crap out of them. Make them work. Don't let them grow up to be idiots. It's entitlement crap. Send your kids off to college. They love Jesus when you send them. They spend $150,000. They come back and think you're the idiot. You might be for spending $150,000 to send them off there to get indoctrinated by a bunch of morons. I'm going to be cussing up in here in Jesus' name. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Thinking about it. Not going to do it, though. I told my girls, you want me to pay for school? You better pick a school where they're teaching about loving Jesus. Get your history and your science and all that stuff. But I'm not paying for you to go be indoctrinated to, to think that God and the Bible is archaic and ridiculous and all that kind of. Get out of here. You can't even understand. You can't even come to the basis of understanding anything without the knowledge of God. The, the knowledge of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. The fear of the Lord the beginning of all wisdom. You can't comprehend all he's done without understanding him in the first place. You take him 
out of it and you're worthless. Your opinions are worthless. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. I hear a lot of talk about wanting to know the will of God for your life, the will of God. Should I go to this university? Should I take this job? Should I marry this person? I want to know the will of God for my life. I heard a great preacher years ago, uh, Bill Johnson. He taught on this specific topic, and he used this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, 18. It literally gives you the will of God for every single person's life. First verse, you can memorize script. You can memorize a whole scripture today. You ready? This is First Thessalonians five sixteen. You get to memorize an entire scripture, every single word in it. You ready? Rejoice always. That's it. That's whole verse. That's whole verse. Rejoice always. If all you did is apply that, it would change your life. No matter what happens, rejoice. No matter what your life looks like, rejoice. No matter what's going on, this flooded and that broke and this and that and all these whatever, rejoice always. Change your whole world. Change your whole perspective. Guess what else it'll change? It'll actually change your biochemistry in your body. It'll change your electromagneticism in your body. If you learn how to rejoice always, it'll physically change your human body. Did you know that every single cell in your body, every four months, every cell in your body is brand new? If you don't like who you are today, four months later, you can be a completely different human, every single cell in your body different. But every cell in your body is filled with a sound wave. It's filled with the chemicals you release in your life, whether negative chemicals, toxic chemicals, or positive life-giving chemicals. And your thoughts and your words and your intentions of your heart affect the biochemistry of your body. And you're either making your new self toxic and negative and gross, or you're making your new self positive and life-giving and full of health. Rejoice always. Second verse, verse 17, pray continually. Two more words. You learn two, you can memorize two whole Bible verses all in one. Get yourself the Sunday school prize today. Pray continually. Everything that happens, Father, in the name of Jesus. I remember a time where I wanted to deal with something in a work situation. I was talking to Pastor Gordon Banks. I'm like this and that, and I'm, man, I'm pointing my fingers, and I'm this and whatever, all this kind of whatever. He's like, you know what? We're going to take care of that. I'm like, yes. We're going to take care of this. We're going to handle this right now. I'm like, yes. We're going to do it right now. Are you ready? Yes, let's do it. Father, in the name of Jesus. I said, no. I stopped him. I said, no. I said, you are Gordon Banks, Dallas Cowboys, number 87, you are the man. You can flip your finger and make something happen in this organization. Make something happen. (laughs) You don't talk to your boss that way, just so you know. That's not a good idea. He said, Joel, this is how we make something happen. This is how we make something happen. And he started praying again, and this time I listened. Can I tell you the situation I was so upset about within seven days had been completely resolved? Pray continuously. It's the answer. It's the answer. Verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will for your life has way less to do with which college you choose, which company you choose to work for, which endeavor you choose. It has way more to do with rejoice always, pray continually, 
and in every single thing, give thanks. You cannot, if that is your intention every day, every single thing, no matter what, I'm just going to rejoice in the Lord. No matter what, I'm just going to keep praying. I'm just going to pray again. No matter what, I'm going to give thanks. Oh, this happened? Okay. Father, thank you so much because I still have this. I still have that. We've still got this going on. Thank you, Father. I'm still grateful. You cannot miss the perfect will of God for your life when you practice those three verses. The attitude of gratitude. This is the posture of gratitude. My heart is full. No matter what. Remember, we heard it last week with Job. Naked I came in, naked I returned. Blessed be the name of the Lord. My heart is full. Paul said, I, I have been well fed and I've been hungry. I've been well clothed and I've been naked. I've been warm and comfortable and, 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 and I've been freezing and, and, and in agony. But I have come to realize that in all things, in all things, I can do all things. Through Christ, who gives me strength. No matter what's going on in my life, I can do all things through Christ, who gives me strength, good, bad, and the ugly. Oh, we look around our life and, 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 and we can think that the grass is greener over on the, on the other side of that fence. We look on our side of the fence and it's just mess everywhere. We... Uh, we, we, we have cattle on the other side of our fence. They're constantly looking on our side of the fence, thinking it's greener. But it's not. You know why? Because they're making manure on the other side of the fence. And everything grows in manure. Do you know that? Manure is what makes it green. We live our whole lives trying to get all the manure out. The Bible says this, when there, there is no oxen, the stable is clean, no manure, but with the power of an ox, there's a mighty harvest. Oh man, I, I, I knew a guy that was complaining about a situation in his life, complaining, 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 and, and he said, man, it's just, it's just manure. He didn't say that though, but you know what I mean. It's just manure, it's just manure. And my buddy said to him, he, he goes, hey man, guess what? Everything grows in manure. Everything grows in that. He goes, my advice to you is if you want to grow, if you want God to grow you, stay in the manure. You want your marriage to grow? Stay in it. You want your relationship with your kids to grow? Stay in it. You, you, want, you want your relationship with your, with your employees or, your, or, or your, your boss to grow? Stay in it. Now listen, there are times that things shift and change and whatever and it's out of your control. Hey, I can't speak to that. But as long as it's under your control, stay in it. Stay in it. Until God releases you, until God uh, break, brings you out, you stay in it. And let God grow you in it. And you stay grateful. You rejoice always. You pray without ceasing. Can, can I tell you that my wife and I, uh, I am more in love, more attracted, more crazy, crazy about my wife than I ever have been in my entire life. We've been together for 30 years, more attracted to her. Man, I will chase her around the house trying to kiss and smooch on her. My kids are like, what are you doing, dad? I'm like, come on, this is how you got here, baby, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, this is a good thing, right? And, 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 but we had seasons where we didn't like each other at all. 
For those of you online, that was the biggest amen I've ever heard from my wife. <laughs> amen. Oh, there are times we didn't like each other at all. You know, um, 28 years ago, we went to counseling with Cheryl. And, and, and 28 years later, you still hadn't fixed us all the way. I, I don't know. This is, I might have to report you to the Better Business Bureau for crying out loud. Now that I think about that. No, but 28 years ago, she said to us, she's like, you know, guys, I got an idea that would really make you much happier in your marriage. We're like, yeah. She goes, you both should lower your expectations. <laughs> you married this guy, but you want him to be this guy. You married this gal, but you want her to be this gal. Stay in love with that gal. Focus, be grateful for that gal. Be grateful for that guy. Love that guy. Speak to that guy. Speak to that gal. Sow into that. Speak into that. Fertilize that. And watch it grow. But if you keep looking up here, complaining about down there, throwing poison on your garden. Man, I'm jumping ahead. The relationship series is next month. You got to call him back for that. The attitude of gratitude, gratefulness, the posture of gratitude. My hands to my heart, I'm full. I remember my kids, uh, our girls were little. And, um, you know, there, you always have speech patterns that your kids have that you want to try to, you know, talk them, uh, teach them to, to speak correctly, right? You don't want them using the wrong words and embarrass themselves later. And now they're an adult and they still say, bud instead of bird, you know? You want to learn the right language and, and, and not embarrass themselves later, and so you have speech therapists and whatever and all that. But there were certain little phrases that we never wanted our kids to get away from. And the one that we, 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 we could, we would just had this pact. We're like, no matter what, don't teach them. Don't teach them the right thing. Our little ones, when they were like 18 months and two years, and they're, they're, they're in that age where they would reach up like this, and they would say, hoju. Remember that one? Hoju. And what they meant was, will you hold me? Will you hold me? Pick me up and hold me. But they would say, hold you. And oh my God, it didn't matter what was in our arms. Just, just move it around and whatever. And, and just, and you, I'm, man, there's something about this, hold you. Do, you. do you remember... Do you remember when you would be reading to your kids and, 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 you're, and you're snuggling and, and all of a sudden they're like, they're falling asleep on you? And you're reading the book and, and they're asleep on you and you're like, oh my God, this is, you just want to stay there forever. And, and now it's late. And you know, if you stay there, you're going to have a crick in your neck the next morning. And so now you're, you're doing the wiggle thing. You're trying to, you know, the wiggle thing, you're wiggling out from underneath them. So you can, you know, I mean, you remember that and they would just fall asleep on you. It was like, hold you and they're sleeping on you. And you never got mad at them for falling asleep because this posture that they had was a, was a posture of adoration. It was a posture of complete, that's, that's the thing that's so amazing is, is, you know, typically your little babies don't snob you. They don't, they don't like snob you or snub you. Or they, they, they just, they fully, full acceptance. Full acceptance. It's beautiful. But then we approach God. And we forget that he says to have faith like a child. That there's something about that adoration and that, that hold you that God can't resist. See, I have another habit that's a part of this, and it's, it's, it's one of my secrets. It's one of my greatest, most spiritual habits and practices. It's called prayer napping. Prayer napping. Yes, that's exactly what it is. And the religious people are like, how dare you? 
prayer nap. Stay awake. How long must I be with thee? Can thee not stay awake one hour and pray with me? Quoting Jesus from the Garden of Gethsemane, all religious and stuff. I, when my 20s, I would feel so guilty because I'm trying to be this prayer warrior and I'm trying to pray and I would keep falling asleep, falling asleep, falling asleep. And I would guilt myself because I wasn't a good enough prayer to stay awake and war and tarry and all the different Pentecostal things you're supposed to do. And then I had a baby. And I had another one. And the most wonderful thing was when they would fall asleep. And then when they would wake up and they would look at you and they're just, and you're like, oh, you're awake. And I began to realize then how much God loved those times with me. And God began to speak to me and say, bro, why are, you being, why are you taking on that guilt? Guilt doesn't come from me. I love just being with you. I want to hold you. Oh, man. Can I tell you some of the best messages I've ever preached are when I wake up from a prayer nap. I'm in there praying, and I fall asleep, and I wake up. And, and, and listen, now I've just learned to go with it. I get my journal. I get my Bible. And I get in there, I start praying. When I start feeling a little drowsy, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's going to be a good one right now. And, and, I, and I just, man, I just cuddle up with Jesus, man. Just cuddle up with God. And I mean, I'm just imagine myself. I'm in my daddy's lap, man. And, and he's, there's never one time that I'm reading a story to my daughter. She's five years old, and she falls down. I'm like, wake up, man. I'm reading a dang story. Can you not stay awake while I read this story? I mean, kind of an idiot dad would do that. And somehow we think that we love our kids more than God loves us. Because we have that type of unconditional love for our children, but we expect to perform for God. And God's just going, how about you go back to Hoju? When we built this building, we put a very special room in the back. It's called the nursing mother's room. It's also called Joel's prayer nap room. It's the most perfect room in the whole building. There's no windows. There's no whatever. No one knows you're there. When, when we were building it out, I said, babe, I need fully reclining lounge chairs. I'm talking like, pow. I'm like all the way, boom. She's like, Joel, nursing mothers don't need to fully recline. That's not even necessary. I'm like, it's not really for them. It's for me. That's my prayer room. That's my, and people will still see my car. And they're like, I came by the building. You weren't there. And I asked the staff and they said you weren't there. And all of a sudden, Joel comes crawling out of the back, wiping his face going, I got the word for Sunday. The prayer nap room. Come on, guys. Why are we so religious about this thing instead of being relational and just being with God, he loves you. This posture of adoration, it's arms open, it's reaching up. I want more of you. This is one of the postures of worship. I want to read you another verse. See, worshiping brings his presence. He inhabits the praises of his people. When we worship him, when we praise him. This is Psalms 101 verse 5. It says, make a joyful shout to the Lord. 
all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. I love Pastor Josh says this all the time when he's in the middle of worship. He connects to this verse so much and he uses from the message version. It says that the password to God's presence is thank you. I love that message version. And I've heard people that, that have complained about, oh, there's no password into God's presence. Bless God. Let me tell you what. Listen, those are the same people that complain about someone writing a worship song called Reckless Love. Well, God's love is not reckless. And then they don't want to sing the lyrics to the one song that talks about the sloppy wet kiss. And they're like, oh, sloppy wet. That we should never. That's not part of worship. Do you remember how your babies used to kiss you? Like this. Remember that? Just big old baby bird mouth. Oh, that's how your babies, and you're just, just gobble it up. Just gobble up those sloppy wet baby kisses. Why? Because you couldn't resist their adoration. Their gratitude, their adoration, their pure love. See, this ties us into the next posture, which is celebration. Man, it's important to celebrate, make a joyful noise. Man, that's hands out, man. That's, man, you're raising the roof. You're celebrating the goodness of God, the greatness of God. We go to ball games, we go to concerts, and we're like this, yeah, all this. Come on, God loves when we come into his presence with shouts and joy and celebration. Loves it. When we're more hyped, come on, listen, our Cowboys may never win another playoff game again. My faith is not strong. I am weary. I'm so weary. But let me tell you, our God will never fail. He never loses a playoff game. He never misses a snap. He never throws an interception. Our God will never fail. He's worth celebrating. He's worth getting crunk about or whatever the kids say on their chat snaps and tic tacs and whatever they're talking and tacking and ticking on. All that different stuff. God is worth celebrating. And this is, yes, I am in the phase with teenage daughters where it is my job to say things wrong and embarrass them on purpose. It's my favorite thing. Kids used to embarrass me all the time. Not now. My turn. Dad mode. That's what that is. One last posture. It's the posture of sacrifice. The posture of sacrifice. The posture of sacrifice is beautiful because it kind of mixes all of these postures together. It goes, it goes from, from celebration and adoration to bowing to extending and everything I have is yours. Everything I have belongs to you. I remember a, a friend of mine who um, is actually one of my doctor friends, and I, I was his patient for many, many, many years, and he would make fun of me because um, I was the preacher, and he called me Holy Roller, Bible Banger, and he actually, this is a very successful doctor, and he, he, he went to his garage, and he took a rolling pin, and he spray-painted it gold and, and bedazzled it and glittered it and all that and gave it to me for my birthday because I was a Holy Roller. 
and he would make fun of me. And, and, it was, and it was all in jest and whatever. And I just loved him. And he was wild, man. He was a partier and just was in a very wild season of life. And I just loved him and, and, and man, prayed for him. And I, be, I remember praying, God, one day give me an opportunity. And I remember, I'll never forget the time. The call came. It was about nine o'clock at night. He's like, man, Joel, can you come to my house? I need, I need you to pray for me. Can you come to my house? And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm coming to your house. And he lived probably 25 or 30 minutes away. And I drive over there and he's like, man, I'm so sorry to bother you. I'm so sorry that, that I just, I need prayer. And it goes, I'm sorry to bug you. And I said, dude, I've been waiting for this call for 10 years, 10 years. I got to lead him to the Lord. I got to lead him in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I got to baptize him. I got to watch his life radically transform. And I got to watch him move into the posture of sacrifice where he would literally, I mean, unbelievable, lavish generosity to God, incredible, mind-blowing generosity to God. And I remember, it, literally, he's never even been to our church, one of the biggest, always, almost every year, one of the top three biggest donors in the church, never even been here. Funding stuff for your kids, funding stuff for your families, to, paying for all kinds of stuff to make things happen. It, it, and I, I called him to thank him. Thank you so much. for your, You have no idea what you're doing. He's like, Joel, this is what he said. He goes, before I came back to the Lord, the 18 months before I came back to the Lord, I spent over a million dollars on sin. A million dollars I spent on sin. Now I understand the purpose for my business and the purpose for my wealth. Everything I have is his. It's all his. It's all his. None of it's mine. Guys, you know how big of a miracle that is? Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to come to faith and enter the kingdom of heaven. It's a big deal for wealthy people to realize everything I have belongs to him. I'm nothing without him. See, the reality is that the better we do, oftentimes as humans, the better we feel about ourselves. The more we feel like we've got it all together and we don't really need this. And we don't, I used to need that. I used to whatever, but I don't really need that anymore. No, 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 no. Without him, you're nothing. Without him, you're not. Jesus himself said, Apart from the Father, I can do nothing. Are you greater than Jesus? No. Come on, this is the heart of worship, the posture of worship. Let me pray for you today. Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would move on our hearts to come to the reality that we would bow our hearts in submission and worship to you, that we would, hands to our heart, be grateful for how rich you make us in our lives and our relationships and our health. Father, we are rich in you. We have everything we need in you. Father, with adoration, we extend hands to, to, to come into your presence and to invite your presence just to hold you and be near you. And Father, with our hands out and up, we celebrate who you are. We celebrate the greatness of God, the power, the wonder of God. And Father, on bended knees, with palms up, we outstretch every part of our life to you. It's all yours. It's all yours. It's all yours. Naked we come in, and naked we go out. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Our heart and our posture is in worship. Come on, let's worship for just a moment.